Hi, and welcome to LISD's Digital Dish. This podcast is hosted by Julia Frazier and Michael Vick, two of LISD's instructional technology facilitators. We will be discussing the latest digital innovations, dilemmas, and solutions for your classroom and more. We love Google, efficiency, and sharing information. Join us as we banter, debate, and discover the technology offerings of LASD and beyond. Here's Michael and Julia with the 10th episode of The The Digital Digital Dish. Dish. And you have to forgive my friend Julia Frazier here because (laughs) she is a little under the weather. It's a head cold. I'm sure a lot of you are experiencing that right now. She literally brought her own box of Kleenexes. Everybody knows, apparently that's not Michael, that when you are sick, you need to bring around your puffs with lotion as your special tissues. There will be a certain, like, level of day. Like, we're talking seventh or eighth day of just wiping your nose and stuff where I would have to go into that. I'm very sensitive. I have a sensitive nose. And I need them after, like, two nose blows. So, I have my puffs with lotion. When I was in the classroom, my kids knew they weren't allowed to touch Miss Solnick's special puffs with lotion tissues. So right now, I either sound A, sick, or like, or B, like Phoebe Buffay. Um, (laughs) I wonder if I should just start saying sticky shoe. Or smelly cat. Or smelly cat, yep. So That's literally the only thing I knew about that show. Is Phoebe singing? Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty. And if you were to ask me what Phoebe's last name was... I might have gotten right on a multiple choice test. <laughs> That's so. sad that you don't know what Phoebe's last name was. What what kind of... I don't know anybody else's last name. Give me another <laughs> Chan- Chandler Bing. Good job. All right, That's, Joey. Uh, Tribbiani. Dang See, it. you oh, know wow. her, Rachel? Aniston. <laughs> <laughs> Green and Ross and Monica. Oh, they're married now? No, they're brother and sister. Oh, no, it's okay. (laughs) I don't know. Geller. Oh, I didn't know that one. See, that would have been another multiple choice question. Okay, I'm doing The green one, Rachel Green, I don't think I would have gotten it. That's very that sad. Yeah, I you would have so. you would have not passed it with a one hundred percent. I kind of feel like everybody of our generation should be proficient in Friends yeah. trivia. Yeah. Things that don't matter. <gasps> Things got, that do matter. <laughs> we're gonna get hate hate tweets. <laughs> yeah, Michael doesn't like Friends. Everybody, send oh, him no. all the tweets that you can think of. I think you're gonna get more hate tweets off of people bashing you for bringing your own Kleenex to school. No, I do not think I will because all the teachers that have seen me have been very sympathetic and have told oh, me actually to your face. I should be bringing the <laughs> tissues that also have Vicks in them. That's because Vicks are awesome. No, not plural. <laughs> I mean, sorry, not singular. Oh, no, my illness is addling my brain. Well, we have an ex- – I'm just going to move on in to okay, the yeah, next things. It. Um, wait, wait, hold on. Pop quiz. When do you think we published episode nine? This is episode 10. What date do you think we published, put it on the live interweb? I know. November 9th. Dang it. How did, did you look? <laughs> I did. For some reason, I looked it up this morning. That seems like so long. That was, <laughs> that was like a month ago, but we had Thanksgiving break. We did. We tried to record on that Friday before the end of Thanksgiving break, but it would just. We, we got, had meetings. We got too caught up in meetings stuff. Meetings galore. So some time has passed. I hope that you guys 
The whole um, technology world has changed. It, it has. This it's is an important episode. The blink of the eye, everything is different. Um, I hope you guys have all enjoyed your time with your family over Thanksgiving and that you're gearing up for some more time with your family over the winter holiday. A lot of secondary schools have finals, midterms, Mm -hmm. slash finals if you're at high school coming up. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's (laughs) it's time to reassess what's going on in your classroom. So yeah, that's kind of what our episode's about today. It's about like this transition going from last semester to this semester. But actually, before we do that... You have a Google update or two. I do. I have several Google updates. Now in Google Classroom, if you're using Google Classroom, which I know a lot of my elementary peeps do, there when you're creating an assignment, you have the option of creating a Google Form quiz right there in your Google Classroom. You don't have to create it in your drive first and then add it. You can just create it on the spot. You know who I think that helps the most is us. People in our position who are trying to get people to use some of these classroom management systems and oh, you have to go outside, make this thing and then bring it in. Like that's it ends up being a whole lot of learning mm-hmm. for teach for some people, not for everybody, but for some people it ends right. up being a whole lot of learning and it's like a lot to keep straight, a lot of organizational strategy. It's just hard sometimes to kind of get through that. So that's what, that's my favorite part of that new update. Yeah, I love it because creating quizzes is a great way to, as we talk about later, assessing where you are, assessing student knowledge and growth and what they still need, and being able to embed them seamlessly into your classroom learning management system is really just a wonderful step in the right direction. So I feel like... Google Classroom is doing a lot of stuff. Like at the secondary level, we're using Canvas. Mm-hmm. And Google Classroom is doing a lot of stuff to kind of counteract what you can do in Canvas. So like that's a great example. You can create quizzes in Canvas two different ways actually. And then you can give them to kids and it can grade itself just like you can – just like a Google Form quiz could. Also, the last update where you're able to move different sections, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the module feature in Canvas. Yeah. So you can do a lot of the same stuff. It's definitely, um, I think, taking steps towards becoming a true LMS where it wasn't before. So, But I have a burning question for you, Michael. Okay. In fact, it's a this or that. Get ready for this or that. If I had to back you into a corner, which would you choose, Canvas or Google Classroom? It's a tough question. The look on his face, y'all. You know, let me say it this way. Anything you can do in Google Classroom, you can do in Canvas. But there are some things you can do in Canvas that you can't do in Google Classroom. Okay. And I think if you're looking to do some of the more advanced stuff... Like, for example, when you grade in Canvas or if you have it graded automatically like a quiz, it will automatically go to Skyward. You can't do with that do that with Google Classroom, at least not yet. Okay. And also, as far as enrolling students, you can enroll them a little bit easier in Canvas. I mean, it's pretty easy in Google Classroom too, but it's automatic in Canvas. It comes, it comes directly from Skyward. I think that integration with Skyward is pretty huge. Okay. That's a pretty huge difference. I would agree that the integration with Skyward is pretty important. But it's I pretty think, massive. I think at a average to below average user of just like management systems in general, I think that probably Google Classroom is easier. It's an easier sell. It's easier to navigate. It's easier to upload items. You know, and I can actually see 
a scenario. In fact, there is there is a teacher that I know that is using both Canvas and Google Classroom. Because anytime you want to turn in something through Google, like a Google Slides presentation in Canvas, it is a little tricky. I was talking with a teacher just yesterday. In fact, I did it. I did it incorrectly. Well, not incorrectly. I did it differently. So I had students turn in upload their Google Slides presentation to turn it in as an assignment and it automatically converted it to a PowerPoint. You know, whether you like or don't like PowerPoint, the point is it wasn't what it was originally right. supposed That's to be. That's not what the original assignment had been intended for. And the main issue with that was it, the assignment it wasn't really due until the next day. And so if you had a Google Slides presentation, it updates live versus a PowerPoint doesn't. And so those kids had turned it in anticipating spending another day and a half working on it and that wasn't going to work. So right. we had to go back to the assignment submission and make it where you turn in a URL. So they just turned in the link to their Google Slides presentation. And so that worked because it was live. Yeah. And, but it wasn't – you could your live view wasn't quite live. The other problem with that is in Canvas, it doesn't automatically do the share setting. So in Google Classroom, you would say make a copy for every student. And the student would turn it in. There's actually a turn it in button on the slides presentation right. or doc or whatever it is. It's really easy for the user to turn stuff in. Now, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, learning to share settings and what that means, where to go to, to adjust it, that's an important learning. That's an important skill that yeah. people need to know. Yeah, like if you go to if you go to a business and you want to give them your resume, if you have it on a Google Doc and you send them the link, well, if they can't view it, then you look like an idiot. Right. Yeah. You need to know that that is a possibility. I don't know how many times when Google first came around in the district, I would share things or I'd go to click on things and they weren't shared correctly, yeah. or I was building a website and I didn't put all my images in the right folder, and so some things weren't viewable on your website. I think it's – I don't know the technology standards off the top of my heart, but I think it does say something about um, a cloud sharing yes, understanding. Yeah. Like you really – it really is a skill. And those came out in 2012, the technology standards, at least for secondary. Is that true for elementary? Not, I don't remember when they came out for elementary. Right. Well, in secondary they came out in 20 – they probably came out at the same time. But I know they're going to revamp them soon because yeah. technology has changed a lot since a lot. since this last month like we talked about. For sure. So final answer? What? <laughs> I think I think it's in my contract to say Canvas. Oh, all right. Well, there you have it. He chose Canvas. There okay. There was another cool thing that happened just recently with Google and Google Slides. Why don't you tell us about that, Vic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is cool. I actually tried this out yesterday. So in, in a slides presentation, when you go to present, you click on present, on the bottom, there are some options, and one of the options says CC for closed captioning. You click on that option, and as soon as you click on it, your computer starts giving you a, what's it called, a closed, a closed captioning. It starts giving you your closed captioning words on the bottom. Now, my ELA teachers out there are going to be like, well, where's the punctuation, capitals, and even spelling? Because it misses something. It's, it's machine learning, so it's not going to be perfect. It's Yeah, it's live, so it's hard to be perfect. But it's something, and there's a lot of... A lot of demand out there for closed captioning. Don't you have to be using the Chrome browser for that to work? I don't know. I think Is I remember true? reading somewhere that you have to be in the Chrome browser. Okay, be in the Chrome browser. Be in the Chrome browser. And um, something else that's great about it, not only does it, it help our students and other adults who might be teaching with us who are hearing impaired, 
it's also helpful for if you're in a big auditorium and the sound is really terrible. Not all the time can you catch what the teacher is saying, but that closed captioning is another little bit of piece to help you out. You could record your screen, too. So, like, if you're making a movie or something, you can have that go. Like, I can envision you may not even need the presentation to be your main feature. Like, you could have a movie up, and then underneath you just drag the window of the movie up. And so you're closed captioning. So you could record your screen and have closed captioning. That's a great idea. That's a creative hack. I like it. Yeah. We'll have to test that out. Yeah, I wonder if it would work. I'm yeah. thinking because present takes up full screen, mm-hmm. and if you put something in front of it, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to think through it. Yeah, we'd have just, to think through it for just sure. Just a thought. Also this week, I know I've sent my campuses a lot of emails about it, but this week is one of my favorite weeks. It's always the first week in December, and that is the week of Hour of Code. So hopefully some of you have been participating in Hour of Code activities. It just is Hour of Code is promoting computer science for students. There's some really cool videos that you can show your students. They always come out with new Hour of Code activities. This year it was a Grinch Hour of Code activity and a Dance Party Hour of Code activity where like they got the rights to use all sorts of really cool popular music. So I just, if you haven't before, check out hourofcode.com um, to get some ideas. They have implementation de- ideas for Hour of Code, but it's a great way to get kids introduced to our um, to computer science if they haven't before can we rewind and uh talk about previous me so i heard the word coding mm-hmm. we're gonna rewind like several years so i and i and i think that's just upper level super upper level stuff and it's just and it's just not anymore mm-hmm. being able to like code an entire website or code and you know something like that yeah that that is super advanced we're talking college master's level stuff but when we're like just being familiar with the terminology can help people in so many ways yeah there's a statistic about coding jobs and i don't know the exact numbers but what it boils down to is that there are way more coding jobs for people than there are people to fill those jobs. So coding is in high demand, and what they introduce young people with to, like elementary, pre-K, kindergarten, you can start with unplugged activities where just like their sound, you don't have a device, you're, you're learning with manipulatives or with, you know, your body, how to code. And then you move into what's called block coding, where you actually pull the block pieces over and connect them like a puzzle. Um, My dad's a computer engineer and a lot of the programming stuff that they used in his program development was block coding. Now the code written within those blocks was a lot more complicated than what it is when you're on code.org, but the ideas are definitely very transferable. And it's very fascinating to watch kids think as they code. And sometimes the kids that you don't think are going to be good at it are the ones who are just amazing and their brains just work in that visual spatial way. So it's really something cool to witness. My dad was a a software engineer too. Oh, really? Yes. It's kind of cool. I think we knew this. We may have known this, but we may not have. My dad wanted me to be a computer engineer, but. I did not do that either. I said, I want to be a teacher because that's what I love. Yeah. And here I am. pretty much how I. Same thing. thing. We're going to go ahead and give you, because it's the last couple of weeks of school of 2018, and we're heading into our winter holiday break, we've got some special winter activities that you might want to try with your students. So Vic is going to kick us off with those uh, winter activities. Yeah, so 
last year I did this. I actually haven't checked it this year, but Google Expeditions has some really cool activities where, yeah, so you have a teacher and they're the guide and you can take the kids to some place in the world. And one place in the world is like Santa's workshop. Oh, cool. And there's all these different places. Like you could take them to the to the place where all the reindeer are. You could take them to the – there's all these different – the Elf's Factory. And yeah. There's these different places you can virtually take them. Cool. And it, it, it is really – it is pretty cool. And they have their own devices. Now, you could use VR goggles. They're pretty – you can rent them from the lending library through Louisville, but they're pretty um, – they're taken for a long time. Yeah, they're checked out. You don't need VR goggles to do this. You can you can do this just on your iPad, and the kid can, can slide around with a 360 view really easily. I think I remember playing around on Google Expeditions around the holidays last year, and there was a holidays around the world one that you could go to oh. where it took different cities and how they celebrate the holidays. That's neat. Which I thought was really yeah. cool. There's tons of cool stuff. I'm really not adequately prepared to go into great detail on it right now, but I know there's a ton of stuff out there. If you just Google Google Expeditions Christmas stuff or Google Expeditions holiday stuff, you can find some really cool learning opportunities. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, this is probably more applicable to my younger teacher. Um, I'm sorry, my teachers of younger aged students, so my elementary teachers. But who knows? Maybe there are some middle school or high school kids who want to join in on the fun. TCEA actually released that you can have a virtual chat with Santa. So they're, they are per- they are hosting a virtual chat with Santa where Santa will read books to the kids and give them a tour around the workshop and show them where the reindeers are and you can ask him questions. I'm going to have to go check that out for my kids. Yeah, it's really awesome. Really cool. So I think that that's a great way to use technology to kind of put some magic into the holiday season. The link for that will be in the show notes, but if you just Google TCA virtual chat with Santa, I'm sure the article will pop right up. In addition, I love Eric Kurtz, whose blog is Control-Alt-Achieve always has a ton of great winter activities and holiday activities. There are several that I enjoy doing every year with the kids. There is one where you build a snowman and you decorate the snowman and then you can write a story about your snowman. There's another one where you can do magnetic poetry, winter magnetic poetry. There is one where you write a, I think it's called a Christmas rebus. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it. Pronounce it. I should ask Google how to do it. I've never heard of that. Um, but it's those are the stories where instead of the words, there are pictures. So instead of saying cat, you'd have a picture of a cat. I see. And so kids so can use... So super young kids. Yeah, so kids can use emojis to write Christmas rebus stories. No, it can be older kids well, too. Well, it could be yeah, ESL, some challenges um, there too. Which is great. Um, and so the, check out, again, if you go to his blog, Control-Alt-Achieve, and then look up winter activities. He's got a list of great ones. So that's a great resource. And then, of course, I couldn't let the holiday season go past without me figuring out how to celebrate with Keynote, as it is, (laughs) fa-la-la-la-la, my favorite technology tool of the moment. I had one of the technology coaches at Coppell, over Thanksgiving had tweeted a thankful turkey keynote that they turned into a movie. So I took that idea and adapted it into a winter keynote where the kids say, this winter I'm going to, and then using animation and magic move animate 
things that they're going to do over the winter that move inside of a snowflake and they get to record what they're going to do over the winter. So if, if you want any information about the winter activity or you want to see an example, just shoot me an email and I'd be happy to share that so with you. So cool. Hey, I have a Christmas joke. You want to hear it? Oh, goodness. Sure. Okay. This is a Christmas joke and a school joke. Oh, okay, yeah. Double okay. hitter. All right. Here we go. Why did Rudolph get a bad report card? I have no idea. Because, oh, that's good. Because <laughs> <laughs> his grade went down in history. Oh. <laughs> Your joke was better. That was funny. You, you literally took my joke and made a better joke inside that joke. <laughs> That's Sorry, I didn't even mean to. It was unfair. divine inspiration. Well, those are always the best kinds of jokes. Oh, I'm so sorry to, to trump your joke. Yeah, well, next time. Next right. time. So the last thing we're going to talk about, it's actually going to be a moment with, but we're both going to chime in. Sit back and relax. It's time for a moment with... I wanted to talk a little bit about something that I used to do in my class that was really effective and it helped the kids just know that I care and just to help me be a better teacher. So at the semester break, and this is a great time to transition, I sent out a Google form um, for my kids to fill out with feedback on how the class was going and just kind of if they preferred working in pairs, if they work like working in groups of three or four or whatever, and to tell me who they liked working with in class and who they didn't like to work with in class so that I can kind of you know, depending on who was asking, I could actually give them their wish or not. Right. It was really neat just to kind of see the feedback because the kids were really honest. It was really refreshing. You know, I kind of thought when I first did it the first time that they were just going to be like, whatever, can we get out of class now? Are we done? You know, I thought it would, they would just be, but no, they really, they really put their heart into it, maybe more than like the actual math stuff that we were doing. Which <laughs> well, and halfway through the year is a great time to do that because when you do something like that at the beginning of the year, students are often timid to answer because they don't know you that well or they don't know the dynamics of your class yet and they don't know what's going to work for them. Yeah. So midway through the year is a great way to start 2019 with a fresh perspective, a fresh approach to teaching. Yeah. And you can – I mean because this is a digital learning podcast, you could ask – Things about digital learning, too, if you want to see somewhere, are there any programs you've been wanting to check out? Yeah. Things that you've done in, like, past classes that maybe I, would, I wouldn't I would mind. And you have to really kind of open yourself up and get some real feedback and then really make some changes off of that. Yeah, what tools have we used that you'd like to see be, see be used more? What tool are you tired of using? You know, sometimes <laughs> we overuse something. That's and true. So, because we are comfortable with it, but the kids like to branch out. Um, I think creating a form for feedback is a great way to kind of have some documentation about what direction yeah. you can move in 2019. And even if it's not so formal, you could just ask, right? You could just talk to them and it, just get some feedback that yeah. way. So, you know, and in case we don't see you guys until 2019, yeah. you should make it your New Year's resolution to plan something with your ITF. We'd love to help you with with any of those ideas that were collected when you gave out the feedback form to your students. We love we love to get back in the classroom, you know. A lot of people think, hey, let's go play with the ITF and then it's all on you. Well, that's not true. We can help. We love to help. Absolutely. We want to go in the classroom, help you with first and second period, and you could do third and fourth period or 
you know, yeah. help you from eight to nine for elementary and then later on in the day. <laughs> exactly. That's typically how it goes in elementary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're here for you. We want to help you out. So. So, yeah, um, and we hope you, you walk away with some inspiration of some things you can do to celebrate the winter and some inspiration with things that you can do to make 2019 a fresh start. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. I'm singing my Phoebe Buffet voice. Bye.